0: Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned off the seatbelt sign and you are free to move around the cabin. I'd like to remind you though, for your safety, Keep fast
1: and- non-rev lounge is a travel and aviation podcast tyler and monique are siblings that both work for a major airline in phoenix arizona during this podcast they will discuss using their flight benefits to travel the world as well as talk about things that happen at work they have guests on almost every week to share their travels and stories leaving tips on the best places to travel or things to do enjoy
2: all right welcome to the non-rev lounge
1: thanks for joining us
2: today my name is Monique.
3: And my name is Tyler. We're excited to have Jen and Justin on with us. Jen is a manager with an, in an airline reservation department. She actually was Monique's manager or a manager around her when Monique was over there. Um, we're going to find out just kind of what employee Monique really was.
2: Good. Was also,
3: good. we'll have a chance to defend reservations after Monique and Rebecca shared their feelings about working in res. When I started following Justin on Twitter after he was a guest on the Next Trip podcast. He brings an interesting perspective because Justin is blind. He writes for Runway Girl Network. It's a group that really d- dives into the passenger experience. His most recent article came out on January 20th, titled, Exploring Airlines from Ec- an Accessibility for Service Animals Handlers. And that was a really good article I went through and read that. We'll get into that and their travels on today's show. Um, we'll put a link to in our show notes and on Twitter and Instagram so that you guys can find them. Um, but you can find Justin on Twitter at FatElvis04. Welcome to the show, Justin and Jen. Thanks for having us. Hello. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're, we're excited. To, uh,
2: yeah, we are excited.
3: Justin at least started following us from the very beginning and left us a good review. So We appreciate that. And um, I, I know just from following you on social media and stuff that you guys do quite a bit
0: of traveling. So it'll be, it's gonna be fun. In the pre-COVID times at least.
2: All right. So, but let's get to know you guys a little bit better. So what's it like being blind and traveling? I know you've told us before there's some perks with it, but I'm sure there's also some difficulties. Do you guys...
0: It is a little different. I will say there's, you know, like some things I have to keep in mind, especially traveling. If I'm traveling by myself, I have to think a little more about like connection times and some stuff like that, mostly because I'm really at an airport. I'm reliant on that. Those meet and assist people to get me around because I don't know my way around. I can't see what I'm doing. You know, there are a few little perks like, you know, a lot lot of times like at customs going into a country, they're like, oh, no, you you cut the line because you're blind. Or and we see a lot of that kind of similar stuff in foreign countries. Well, that's nice.
4: Yes, they're they're very helpful in um, international travel when they see that he. It's like Justin, pull your stick out really quick so they can see, and uh, <laughs> and they're you know taking us over to the uh, short lines. So that's always good. I don't know why it seems different in international countries, but it does.
3: You said those people that work there. Do they do they work for the airlines or do they work for the airports that help you out?
0: The uh, meet and assist folks. They are usually contractors for the airlines. I think internationally, sometimes they are employed by the airports. But in the US, I believe they are considered airline contractors.
2: As a gate agent, when I see a meet and assist, most of the time, we don't even bother to tell prospect about them. Are they good about showing up to to help you out?
0: It's hit or miss by airport, really.
2: So Phoenix is probably bad.
0: Usually at Phoenix, I'm like either Jen is if I'm by myself, Jen's meeting me, like, you know, she'll get a gate pass and come back and meet me or, you know, take me back if I'm flying by myself. I don't really have much experience with them at Phoenix. Now, I've had... Issues at DFW used to be like a minefield, but apparently it's gotten better. The last time I went, it went perfect.
3: Um, I met you guys because we met up in September. You guys came out to LA, and when you came over for the day, when we were taking some pictures over there with the guys from Next Trip, you didn't bring your dong with you then. So, how is it when you're by yourself you do, or is it just depending on the situation? Or
0: in that case, it depends really a lot on the situation. I didn't on that one because it was just a quick little day trip, and Jen was with me. It, it's when you go travel with the guide dog. It's you have to think about a lot more. You have to bring more stuff. You have to pr- think about bringing food, water, giving them places to go use the bathroom. A lot of stuff, and it just for for that short a trip, it just didn't seem like it was worth all the work that would be involved. And it's and it's hard on him. You know, it's a lot of it's a lot of work for him to go do go through airports and sit on a plane and all that kind of stuff.
3: When you travel with him, like you, you go into this with your article, and then you were on the next trip explaining all this with him. But is it bring the, the guide dog when you go on these big trips, when you go to Europe or something, is that ever an issue with, I mean, when you take a dog to Hawaii, you got to quarantine them, but being at the service
0: end, was it very different? It's a lot of paperwork. I've never done it, mostly because A, it's a ton of paperwork because you have to get blood work and a vet check and all sorts of stuff. And really a, a long haul flight with a, you know, making a dog go on like an eight, nine hour flight just doesn't seem right to me. Cause the, you know, that's a lot of time for him to sit and Thank mm-hmm. you not be able to go to the bathroom
4: we've done like the DC Phoenix trip was that a non-stop job? that was a non-stop yeah that, right, yeah it was PJ <laughs> poor PJ so you could if you ever see us at the airport and we're just hauling butt got PJ it's because he's giving the signals that if he doesn't reach a pet relief station pronto we might be in trouble so there, a lot of times when we come off a plane we're just picking up stuff and basically running to a pet relief it's it's hard for him to to go over what four or five hours well that's good because there's people who who don't run
0: yeah I mean that was probably a four or five hour flight and we're you know we come in we're coming in of course we come into like a 30 or something like that you know way at the end and he's like you know he's getting really fidgety so i can tell he really needs to go so we were basically running you know out past security through baggage claim into that outside pet relief area they have to get him there before we even go went and grabbed our bags
2: yeah a 30 would be pretty much as far as you could get from either yeah downstairs or by b2 where they have that pit relief area yeah
0: and at that point we were just like we'll just go outside well when i'm with
3: my wife she does the same thing you should get off the plane and she's running to the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) even though she just went it's really hard to run though when your legs are crossed so how did you guys meet i you told
0: me you had a good story for us so we met over twitter we were introduced by a mutual friend and and the first time i flew out here was a little over 11 years ago and it was just after christmas and i get in at sky harbor I was flying. Um, I was flying on Southwest. This was. I get out past a security checkpoint, and she's like, "Oh no, I'm waiting for you right outside security." I'm calling her. I'm like, "I don't see you out here." We. She was waiting for me outside checkpoint C, and I actually come in and was waiting at D, which was why we couldn't find. You.
4: Then I lost the car. I'm no sense of direction, and I had no idea where I'd parked in the parking garage. So it was not a good. It was not a good uh, omen for the relationship. I don't think. I think it worked out okay. Oh no! I mean, I, it, as far as omens go, I'm not saying. It didn't work out okay yeah. but I, just as far as omens go i lost you in the airport and i lost the car out of the airport <laughs> so yeah. it was kind of it was kind and of a said, this she, is how our keeper, life huh? is going to be <laughs> yeah this is how our yeah. life is going to be
3: jen when you got your job with the airline how much of uh, your that decision was based on being able to have flight benefits was that part of it all or how did you just i mean was it was just a job
4: it was pretty much zero i mean i i didn't you know i as a, growing up and everything i flew probably more than the average person but it I never, ever thought about, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have flight benefits? It was, we lived really close to where their offices were. I had been working just down the street at the Sears Call Center. So I thought, oh my God, this location is perfect. And it was workforce, which is what I really like to do. And so that, that was it completely. I mean, I don't think that flight benefits entered into it at all.
3: That's no, it's interesting because that my number one reason for the job was to fly, and I think Monique's starting was now, and both of us this is kind of became a career. But it's interesting to see if people and Europe, you're like a manager, you're higher up than just mine. We're just kind of like the labor that. I
4: um, mean, when I first, yeah, when I first started, I was in the workforce department, which is like very low level, what they would call management. So really low level. I mean, I didn't have any direct reports, I didn't have anything, but they had to give us a little bit of where we were supervisor because we were. At times, the only manager or supervisor in the building, other than, um, contract our union employees. Um, But then after about a year and a half, I went from there and I went to a customer care manager, which is basically a supervisor with a team. Um, Monique was already gone though, when I did that. She was already at the airport. I think I was in workforce the whole time she was in the...
2: Yeah, I was telling Tyler that you were one of our favorite people over there. Well, first, just because we love you, but because also because your job in workforce is you could give us VTO. So... We loved that. So I was telling her, I was like, there were times when I would probably call Jen every night and be like how does VTO look?
0: <laughs> I, I completely understand it. Before I lost my sight, I worked workforce in a different call center. And it was the same way.
2: So you were always very nice to us. We loved when you were there. we were like, I, oh, good, Jen's here tonight.
4: Yeah, no, I loved all my agents. I loved all my agents at the, the the center. It's very weird not being in workforce and having had the new hires come in last year. And I don't know any of them. You know, there's like all these people walking around that it's like, I don't know who you are. I don't even know if you're supposed oh, to be here. because you just
2: kind of, you know, like your
4: team? Right, exactly. I work with 20 people and that's kind of it so
3: when we were on with doug and drew i said one of my favorite trips was, was with my wife when we went to versailles um and then Justin messaged me and said i'm pretty sure you didn't see what i saw uh and then he also said that uh our agenda allows the job describing him so i want to hear what happened at versailles because i i was i took that message from you saying thinking that it just wasn't a good experience but maybe that's not what happened at all
0: Oh, no, no, no. It was, it, was, it was just something unusual.
4: Versailles was amazing. Yeah. Versailles itself was amazing. I mean, if you're going to be anywhere near Paris, you've got to go to Versailles. And it's, but what happened was it's freezing because it was so cold, most people weren't going out into the gardens. So I think anyone that was visiting, like 80% of them were just staying inside, which made for just trying to get through the crush of the crowd. So I'd like to go back again sometime when maybe it won't be as busy inside. But um, so we're bundled up. We're ready to go outside. We decide to walk all the way down the avenue down to um, Le Chambeau and and then walk over to La Petite Trianon and all that. So on once we get down to the bottom and we're past the little farm and we're walking on these paths and now we're just trying to figure out okay where are we supposed to be going from here because there wasn't a whole lot of people around um and we come come around like um some bushes and trees you know you can't really see it and right there in all her glory was this um this woman naked and some guys taking pictures of her <laughs> so so I'm like oh I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it's kind of cold for that, but, you know, whatever. I'm, you know, you're in France. I'm sure it was perfectly legal. They're in a public spot. I mean, I guess there was no problem, but she rushed to get her um, trench coat on very quickly. And so I'm trying to describe to Justin, you know, what I'd just seen and what what, what had just happened. And um, so it was just, you know, it was a little diverting Moment in the trudging along in the very wide open spaces of the property around Versailles.
0: And this was, like she said, it was cold. It was just, des- it was probably early December when we went, and it was.
4: It was very cold.
0: Yeah, we weren't ready for it when we went.
4: I lost a glove around the farm area somewhere, and I was just miserable for the rest of the time that we were outside because it was.
3: You know they say, when in Rome. Or was it mm-hmm. when, when in Paris?
4: Was it, Do you guys do you think Paris. it
2: was a dare? Or do you think they were trying to do like a mini photo shoot?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it was like a legit some kind of artistic photo shoot. I mean, there weren't like props okay. or anything. But so I had noticed they came in about the same time we did because I had noticed her because um, she was tallish. I think she was taller than the guy she was with. But I don't think I realized she was with that guy. She had very bleached blonde hair and she was wearing the trench coat. And but, so that we kind of came into the the buildings together. So I just happened to notice her. So so when we came around, I was like, oh, well, now that trench coat really makes sense because, <laughs> because it needed to come off quickly. <laughs> so but there was nothing underneath that trench coat when she came in. So it was just interesting.
3: So Monique and I were in Maui a couple years ago and we were over, we took the road to Hana. I don't know if you guys have done that, but to the other side of the island and there's this red sand beach you have to hike into kind of around the mountain. And I think it was an unofficial nude beach, but it wasn't, no one really goes in there. So me and Monique are in the water playing and all of a sudden some guy strips down naked and I told her i said there's a naked guy behind you and what did you say
4: i
2: was like i don't believe you because teller's always joking so i was like he's just saying that because i think he'd warned me like that people could get naked here and i was like they're not going to get naked because no one was at the time
3: you turned around and oh, he was, was like, naked <laughs> <laughs>
2: and it's so maybe your person was more attractive ours he was old i was like why can't it be like the attractive people?
0: <laughs> so, it's it's never the people yeah. you want <laughs> exactly doing that kind of thing but this that
3: was like an unofficial nude beach. You guys was out I mean, that's a very popular probably said very busy area. I remember why I was there with Katie, that's a that's a ton of people. Even our, our time was cold too. I think it started to. as something that everyone should do.
4: The so one of the things that I don't know that if a lot of people realize about international uh destinations, uh with Justin being blind, so you know, he's like a lot of the museums and government, you know, or state, you know, I'm using air quotes here, state-owned museums, anything like that, galleries. He is able to get in at no cost, generally speaking, and then the person that's with him can get in at no cost. So, like, we went to Versailles, and um, we bought the tickets when we got there, but they didn't really tell us, oh, you know, he's visually impaired, he can get in, and really you can get in too. I, I think they just didn't realize he was blind when we were buying the tickets. Because we got into the where they take your ticket, and they were like, What do you why do you have tickets? You shouldn't have tickets. You know, he would be he would be at no cost, and then you, as his person would be no cost also so we decided to go back and and just see if they would give us the money back and the poor lady was so nice about it but she was like you know this is this process is really kind of a pain she didn't use those words she was French she probably used something much nicer we'll reimburse his ticket but are you okay if we still charge you and I'm like oh yeah that's not a problem so we learned by that experience that when you are going traveling internationally and you want to go into any kind of of government-owned facility, you should probably find out if they offer the, you know, disabled, whatever you want to call whatever they call it. But it's almost every international place we've gone, they've had that.
0: Yeah, like this, like, and, you know, the other thing I was thinking of was like, when we went to, in London, when we went to um, Tower of London, we booked that special tour that mm-hmm. um, they offer, that you get to touch things tour that oh, cool. was you know, I don't think we paid anything extra for that. And you know, it was just, no. send, I think you just sent them an email and,
4: and set it up that that I, f- I found that. Um, and and probably because I just don't look for that kind of stuff here in the States. So I'm like, oh, international destinations are so amazing that way. But if you just give them a heads up that you're coming, they are, they just really bend over backwards to try to do something that makes your trip a little more special and something a little different than just having someone walk around.
3: Well, that, that's nice that they do that because talking to my wife and she said it would be so sad to go to these places and not be able to see the things because that's what, you know we could do so that's nice that they have things that um, anything they could do to help make that more enjoyable.
4: Yeah, the to- at the tower they had a like a little um, replica of the cr- of the like the scepter that when, you know, they're getting crowned and stuff for the official engagements and things that Justin could actually hold and kind of feel this so that he could get a sense of what it would look like. Stuff like that was really nice. That's cool. That is really cool.
0: And then remember like at, at Westminster Abbey, they, you know, when we just happened to show up at the same time, they were doing a guided tour and our guide for us was like, we usually don't let people touch the crypts or, you know, all this stuff, but, but we're going to let you and, um, they like, Jen, you can too, because, you know, you're with him.
2: So you guys were sitting there touching stuff and everyone
0: else was watching you guys do it. So like, I get to like, it, yep. And I'm telling,
4: and I'm telling them, <laughs> Hey, don't touch that.
0: You know, they're like, Oh, look at all the intricate carvings. And then like, I get to actually touch it and feel like, okay, this is really, really cool.
4: That is you're like, Hey, that's
2: 500 years old. That's don't you touch that. But I'm going to.
4: It was pretty awesome, though, standing on what was supposed to have been like the like um King Henry the Eighth's crypt. Okay, because that's pretty cool. Because that's like where Henry the Eighth is buried.
2: Was it? See, there was so much that yeah, I remember thinking it was really cool. It's like where all the like old knights are at, right? Like it's or.
4: Yeah, you're like standing on him. That's what that's the stuff that I love about the travel, the ability to travel is that kind of you know, you're like, Oh my god, I am standing on Henry the Eighth. This is the coolest
0: thing See, ever. I
2: was out front taking pictures, being like, This is where Harry and Meghan were standing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was like, that was a really cool trip that day. Like that day we did a day trip and we went, you know, it was like a bus trip and we went Windsor and then it was Stonehenge and then the Roman baths and then back in, it was like a all day thing.
2: That would be an all day thing, but it, it would be a good day. But yeah, it is a full day.
0: A lot of people go
3: and see the history, and Winnie wants to do like the where the stars live and where the stars <laughs> have been.
4: <laughs> it's pretty neat to walk around Westminster Abbey, though, because there's so many people. Like, one of their most recent um, burials there was Stephen Haw- Hawking's. Um, who is not re- religious at all, but they went to his widow and asked permission to put him in the same area where some of their more uh, illustrious uh, scientists are buried. So it's really neat because they've got like poets' corner in there, and then they've got like where all the science, the scientist, sciencey kind of people are buried and you can just go and and you're like i know that name i know that name so like i think i weren't that what they said justin like stephen hawkins is like the latest one yeah yeah they don't have a whole lot of room yeah
0: i think it was one of the more recent ones and i think he just died like earlier that year when we went
4: Yeah, he hadn't been gone very long.
2: Yeah, I would say that with a lot of the stuff over in England, even if you don't know the history really well, there's just so many names that are just big names that everyone knows that you'll see those around. Yeah, like you said, either the St. George Chapel or
0: over Westminster.
2: But I want to hear. So you guys had a trip to Barbados? that things didn't quite go as planned?
0: You know, we kind of planned like, you know, things We all bunch of things we were going to do. I think there was one like Jen, you know, Jen had a few places she wanted to check out because Jen had some family that had lived there at one point, if I recall. And it wound up being, it just wound up being mostly, except for one day, we went to like the George Washington house and a couple other places. It, It mostly just wound up being us hanging at the beach and drinking probably way more than we had in years.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It was probably one of my more arranged trips, like planned out what we were going to do. And then we got there and it was just like, yeah, none of that's happening.
0: Cause that was when we were, that's the trip we used like our guarantee thing for that was the, like that was right after we'd done Paris and had frozen our butts off there. We're like our next trip, we need to go somewhere warm. And we picked Barbados.
2: Nice. So That sounds like a great trip to me. I'm always the one that's like, just sit me on the beach. That's what I want to do. I just want to sit on the beach. I've never I've never been to Barbados. So how were their beaches? I mean, if you guys just sat and hung on the beach, it must be pretty nice.
4: They were really nice. We stayed at the Hilton. It, they had like three different beaches, like with kind of the water type. It was, it was very interesting. So they had a small beach that had like where the waves would come in and break real close to the shore. And then they had one that was like wells, you know, not really waves, but you know, large swells. And then they had another side that was completely the water went out forever as far as, you know, waiting, and it was very calm and very just, you could just float on your back forever and, you know, nothing, but they were pretty pristine. I guess not long after we left, I mean, the, the, all the beaches in Barbados are open to the public. Oh, good to know. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be staying at the Hilton to use their beaches and they, but they keep their, they keep them up groomed very nicely. But I guess right after we left, I mean, probably within a couple of weeks, they had some horrendous algae blooms all across like a lot of the islands and they were just really bad so you have to be careful because it basically rendered most of the beaches useless and then they get really bad um sand fleas yeah so it it can be really unpleasant i guess if that of an algae blooms going on but we we went it was perfect
3: that's why I went on a cruise, and so my wife and I stopped. That was one of our stops. We had a great time. We didn't we didn't get to see the island, really, except for that the one beach we went to, and we snorkeled there. But I know that my wife said she wants to go back. She had a good enough time on that one island that she wants to go back.
4: It actually is a very nice little resort. And then at the end of the driveway, there's a blue shack that sells fresh fish sandwiches for like a dollar. And I highly recommend making the trek to find this guy and get some of those sandwiches.
2: As soon as you said that, Tyler and I both just turned and looked at each other with their eyes big. We were like, "Ooh."
4: Yeah, all it is is like a plain hamburger bun, some a grilled fish piece with a piece of lettuce and mayonnaise and maybe some hot sauce. And that's all it is. And it is the best thing and it's a dollar. Um and what is the it's 2 bayesian dollars for 1 American dollar So I think it was like a bayesian dollar. So it was actually like 50 cents. Yeah, they were really good. Barbados highly recommend it. Nicest people. Just just a good relaxing time. So do they speak English there? I'm ignorant. I don't know. Yeah. With very, some of them have very heavy accents, though.
3: That's, I, do, I want to go back to private else now. That sounds, we, I had a good time. I got fried that day because we was in the water all day because we want to.
2: That's another island I need to go see. Yeah,
3: It's, it's gorgeous. I, I loved it. Let's get into one thing we got to talk, you started to talk about already when you talk about food, because we found out that um, a lot of people enjoy talking about food when we travel. When I, I asked uh, Justin before, he said he has a couple of places that he wanted to bring up. And so where, where do you guys like to travel? Maybe not just for food, but what kind of recommendations do you have for us and our listeners?
0: The one thing I thought of immediately, Jen, was the couple of times we went to Austin and just ate at the Salt Lick Barbecue in the airport?
4: We had gone to the uh, standalone, the restaurant before. And so when we found out there was a Salt Lick at Austin, we were like, oh, well, we're just going to have to do that. I mean, it tasted fresh, fresh. I mean, it was just, it was just good. And they pack it, they'll pack it for you to take on the plane. Like if you want to do like a couple slabs of ribs or, you know, something like that, they have the ability to pack it up and get you... On the road, which is nice. Can you
2: imagine sitting next to someone who just like opens that up and you just like start drooling
4: next to them from the smell?
3: You're watching them with the ribs
4: and they're like <laughs> licking their fingers. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> could
2: you imagine? It <laughs> would be the one who awkwardly is just watching them, being like,
4: "Oh, they're so lucky." Yeah, it's it's pretty good. You mentioned
3: about San Francisco too. I I I've been there just for food. What do you guys have somewhere there? You like to eat too?
0: There, well, there was that time I was thinking of the time we went there and just went down to the wharf.
4: Oh, for the clam chowder, sourdough bowl, clam chowder. Yeah.
0: Oh, that was so good. You know, good. That,
4: the, the typical, yeah, the typical kind of fare of that.
2: And then you sit there and get attacked by giant seagulls. We ate inside. Oh, but... no, you, you guys are We were then. safely inside a restaurant. <laughs> they have that yeah, restaurant so
3: you can eat those, the rib rolls inside, or they have places that I think you'd buy it and just eat on the, on the side of the road. So, yeah, they had different. Yeah, I've, I've had those clam shadows Those are really good.
2: Yeah, and the sourdough bowls. Yeah, those are really
3: if you like those, then you should go to Seattle and there's a chowder place. So instead of having a ton of them, there's just one up on Pike Street, and they have salmon chowder and clam chowder, and I love it. I think it's it's so good. I have flown to Seattle just for that, just to get the the salmon chowder on Pike Street. So yeah, I'm,
0: I'm cool. down.
4: Wait, did you just say salmon? Yeah, salmon chowder?
3: They have different kinds of chowder. Yeah, they have different kinds, but it's like a smoked salmon.
2: You hear that doubt in her voice,
4: though.
3: I'd try it. They, that's what I prefer, but they have all different kinds. It's a big chowder place, so. Like the one in San Francisco. Yeah, so no, I'm sure. Like just clam chowder—that's their thing.
4: Yes, it definitely. They're known for the clam chowder. But yeah, no, I'm sure I could get some something different. Yeah, but I, I think I they have salmon, clam chowder. I'm not salmon's not my favorite fish. You no,
3: know, that's under- Take it back.
0: <laughs> I love salmon. Yeah. So
3: that's what, there's a right next to that salmon place in or the chowder place. It's not salmon. It's chowder in Seattle. There's a Russian, and uh, my wife she'll get the Russian food, and I'll we'll get the salmon the chowder, and we'll. So right there in the... Ooh, so. I'd
0: want to try them both. Yeah, there's a lot of places, but. Oh, well, we so did that Chicago trip the, just to Justin, go get Chicago that dogs that, that one for,
4: time. Oh, we for the, for the Chicago dogs and oh, yeah, the yeah. um popcorn.
3: So, we were going to ask you about London, and we you got we kind got, got into it already when we were talking international stuff. So I'm not sure if if there's more that you guys.
0: We talked a little bit about London. Now there is a blog post i'd written about it for a friend's blog that talking about my experience that if anyone wants to look you just google Kane adventures blind american in london and i've got like a thing breaking down like a lot of what we did on that trip and the experiences we had and a lot of that kind of stuff
3: okay yeah we'll have to put that link in our stuff then because that'd be interesting to to yeah well
2: i want to go read it yeah
0: yeah and then um you know like part of it was like some of those were a one of it was like we went and the last night we were there we had dinner with a few friends of mine that I know from over there, including the woman who runs that the blog I posted it on. Had some amazing Indian food that night. Oh uh, yeah, it was really good. But yeah, we've also like Dublin we've done we've done twice. The first time was just like it was our first international trip and it was like, Oh well, let's go do something. You know, kinda it's a good way to stick our toe in the water, I guess. We did a that walking tour that was really nice that first time. But the second time we did two days worth of when we got there, like our first two days were just bus trips that we took, like like that one we were talking about in London. That first one we went to um, the first day we went out to New Grange and the Hill of Ter- uh, Terra, and the second day we did a trip out to the uh, Cliffs of Moher, and they were just both really really great trips.
2: Was it cloudy on your day when you went out to cliff some more?
4: Yeah, it was overcast and actually uh, did rain off and on a little bit, you know, not heavy rain, but like drizzle off and on the whole time. But it was still, you know, pretty awe inspiring. You could it lent for maybe a little bit more drama on the cliffs, actually, with them being a little shrouded. But uh, no, they were great trips
2: when I went. Yeah, it was so cloudy. You couldn't see anything that my friend and I made like a pact that we were going to go back and make sure we could see it in the like. At least some kind of sun so we could actually really see him. because mm-hmm. yeah, you could tell it was going to be beautiful, but we were looking for like the Harry Potter cave and you couldn't really even see that. So we were kind of disappointed.
4: Yeah, no, it, um, we, there was enough clear that we, you could see the, like, if you would stand on kind of the one end of the, um, walkways and then look down, you could see pretty much the whole cliff area that you'd want to see. I, a lot of times I make Justin go kind of what I call mountain goading. So like <laughs> when you when you're going up to the cliffs, you can either kind of veer off to the right or you can go to the yeah. left, right? So we're we're walking there and I'm like, let's go to the left. So as you're going up the left, um, the pathway ends up being like a rocky, uneven path. So I'm like, it's okay, Justin, just, you know, you can mountain goat this. And he has a great center of sense of gravity. I mean, like his center of gravity is good. So he, he, I don't think he's ever fallen. I'll take him down some really iffy areas and he's always very good about playing along. But when you're going down by the cliffs, it, it does, I'm like, okay, now you're going to have to kind of climb over this fence here. (laughs) So hold on here and, you know, lift your leg over here. But so we went kind of as far as we could until it became like probably a life and death situation for Justin. It was pretty cool. It was cool. It, it was a great, a great experience to go there. I'm really glad we did. Um, but Justin mentioned the walking tour in Dublin. I, you, If you go to Dublin, anyone goes to Dublin, take one of the free walking tours. They're mostly run by students, like are the ones who are doing it. And they're working basically for tips. Um, but they're hysterical. The Irish are hysterical. They're so funny. Um, they re- These tours, those walking tours are really, really enjoyable. So
2: how did you find them?
4: I found them before we went over, so I was probably Googling stuff or, you know, looking stuff up and came across it. I, one of the ways to find them is like yellow umbrella tours because they carry a big yellow umbrella, rain or shine. Okay, so that you can easily follow them. But it's a couple miles that they'll walk you around, you know, it'll last a couple hours and they'll stop at every little interesting place and give you the rundown and the history. And, you know, the the Irish are so self-deprecating and they love to laugh at themselves. So this guy was just hysterical. But that was their Millennium Project that um, just that in itself was worth going on the tour for and listening to that guy because I guess it was just a...
0: the, The other one I remember was that they talked about doing the clock... You know, they count down to the millennium. They put that big electronic clock in the river and that, you know, it wound up being so covered with stuff that like the, after a couple of times they gave it up because it was so, like algae, It just kept getting covered with stuff and you couldn't see anything with it.
4: Yeah, that didn't work out too well. So listening to him just talk about it was just this amazing, like, you're not laughing at them, you're laughing with them because, you know, they they're just the best for laughing at themselves. And it's just, it was great history. They have a couple different types of tours. You know, they have like a pub crawl tour, music and pub to crawl. And then they have the history. And then they have maybe one that's a little bit more for the um um rebellion, you know, the rebellions and stuff like that. So it's just just a really good way to get a feel for the city. I was really glad that we did that. Kind of a, we're just going to fly by the seat of our pants and kind of see what happens. And Dublin's a great place to do that as a first non-rev trip.
2: So Justin, so do you feel comfortable doing this mountain goading thing as long as Jen hasn't talked about your life insurance? policy recently
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i it really doesn't bother i am really lucky it's that i have such a good sense of balance because like i most people in my level of vision because i basically have no vision at all i have a little light perception and that's it uh most people like me they they really don't have the balance i do you know i'm i'm really lucky in that respect
2: was like, yeah, like, I feel like I was up there. We didn't go that left way. We went the right way. Even over there, I was going like, this is a little like you're kind of close to the edge. And it was a little uneven. So yeah, I can't imagine being blind and doing that and having someone just be like, okay, step over this fence now. I, like, uh, I don't
0: nope. think we were ever actually stepping over fences that I remember. but
4: We were stepping over. Well, no, there was like some, I think, like roped off areas that I actually had to
0: step <laughs> over.
4: But it was like a, you know, at, from this point on, you're kind of on your own kind of a situation yeah. so we did we did do that so it wasn't necessarily like this real gate but it was a um it, it was just a a roped off area that i had him climb over but
2: but there was jokes so when they questioned you you said hey in westminster they let us touch the stuff so i can do what i want
4: <laughs> benefit yeah i mean whether you're at the Cliffs of more or you're at the westminster abbey you can just go you know just say hey handicap we get to go where we want <laughs>
0: At Stonehenge, they weren't so accommodating, though. You know, we actually asked them, if you remember, like, what if, you know, he went over to go, like, touch a stone and the security woman mm-hmm. was like, it would be the first time I've walked a blind man off the hill. Oh, dang.
4: <laughs> but <laughs> but, but she was going to do it. She was very nice, so.
0: Yeah, Yeah, but they, they, they actually have, like, replicas of the stones down, like, at the visitor center that I could actually, like, touch and pose with and stuff like that. And then they had, like, in the visitor center like little models of of it so you could actually like feel how how it's laid out so the
4: we we went to the grange that you go into there and you know it's all made out of stone but the inside is basically i mean it's not like hollow but you know there's pathway there's a pathway there's a center where it's like this very large cairn type of um but justin you know i mean he went in there and you had to almost crawl through some spots it was so low but yeah i mean justin is really game for doing anything that I think I'm like wanting to do he'll give it his best shot we really haven't not had any issues of not being successful in in trying to do something I mean we're not climbing mountains but we're pretty much going where we want to go and seeing what we want to see
0: I mean you know with that one I did have to be careful because you know like you said in that tunnel there were some low parts where like I needed to duck my head or you know I was gonna bonk it on something but it was in you know it was a tight little squeeze but just the experience of getting to go into a place like that and you know hear about how like on the winter solstice the as the sun comes up you know it shoots down through that tunnel and lights it up and i was like it's so cool just hearing about that kind of stuff you know i was thinking like at the hill of terror you know they had the what What was it they called that stone and the yeah the, the one like stone or if you were going to be like the true king of ireland suppose the, the legend was if you touch that stone and you, the, like the true king of ireland it would let out a shriek that you'd hear through the island So Sadly, it did not do that when I touched it, but I have, we have a picture of me in, and I'm like caressing that stone because why not?
4: Yeah. To show how reverential he is about stuff like that, <laughs> I had to ask him to stop hitting it like a drum. He didn't even yeah. realize he's like sitting there doing that, <laughs> <laughs> dump, you know, cause it's like a dome top. So he's just sitting there like he's playing drums and it's like, you know, maybe, maybe that's not. But it is like this <laughs>
0: fairly <laughs> tall phallic shaped, cause I can't think of a better way to describe it. Stone sticking out of the ground probably about
4: do you guys have
2: any bucket list trips that you guys want
4: to take i change all the time it's like there's too many choices and um i've always wanted to do asia like japan yeah
0: that's on mine too italy italy oh yeah Italy. one that like we were talking like last year well 2020, we're thinking like, oh, we're going to do Italy and it's going to be amazing. And then COVID started to break out and it got really bad in Italy really early on. And we're like, maybe, okay, maybe not Italy. And then well we wound up both our weeks of vacations this year, just renting a cabin outside Payson.
4: I think I had planned, we had planned out the, the Italy trip where we were going to fly into Rome. And then travel up to Milan, you know, take like a week and just travel by road or train. I think it was by train, and then fly yeah, that out of right. Milan, right, Justin? Because they had better flights for us. So that that we had it. We were to the point where we had kind of planned all of that and then the COVIDs was like yeah that's not going on
3: yeah so i'm, I'm hoping that kind of like when COVID hit and the fights were wide open but no one's traveling because things were locked down that the world will open up and our demand won't be back so we can non-rev before the fights get too full and we get back to the 2019 days where you can't non reverend because the flights are so full i'm hoping there's a stage where we can get on those lay flat seats for you know i don't a few months before that would
4: be nice Uh, i hope so too
3: yes (laughs) we want us to make make money for airlines so we can keep growing and be good but not be so full that we can't get on as non Our
0: our last trip i remember it was we were planning we were jen's nephew was getting married and we were thinking okay we'll just drive it whatever and it was jen looked like a couple days before and she's like these flights to orange county are wide open we're just gonna fly it i'm like uh okay and then you know what did we know the next week was like when all the sports you know seasons got canceled and everything just you know what that was like the week everything hit a brick wall
4: right because we were saying it what would it be kind, not a disney resort but a hotel right next to disneyland
0: we were saying at the hilton if yeah, I remember
4: everything right. was, everyone was cl- canceling their um, um, conferences. They were already starting to get conferences canceled and all that stuff, and, but it still wasn't the thing it was. It was, what, the very last weekend in February or the very first weekend in March? It's just amazing how our lives changed on a dime.
2: Yeah, because I remember being at the airport and we honestly didn't know if the government was just going to shut us down for like two weeks or not. Like It was one of those where it, was like, it wasn't uncommon to work flights with only two passengers on it. It was kind of crazy when things really came to a stop for a little bit. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah life changed so fast. Hopefully we can get back. So we, we like to end with kind of a quick tip, something you've we heard, we talked about um, from the show. So I'll give mine and we'll go around and each give ours if you would, uh, just a quick. So my first one will be Travel with a blind friend. I think that's a good idea. Yes. Perk <laughs> from that. I think the Barbados ones, the one that stuck with me, those fish sandwiches. So I want to go bar- back to Barbados. And the fact that um, you said the beaches there are all open. I know some international places. You know, you have to be staying at the resort to use their beach. But kind of like Hawaii, it sounds like you can, you know, be able to go out and explore. So that's really a, a nice. So go check out uh, those fish sandwiches and. And yeah. Barbados, that's that's on my list now, things I want to do.
2: So I'd say, I guess my tip would be from my experience, when I went to Ireland, like I said, the Cliffs of Moher were so cloudy and we only had, I think we were there for three days. So we had to go that like on the second day or whatever, because I just, we didn't have, we were flexible. So I'd say, yeah, give yourself maybe even a, a little extra time so you can go over there and maybe plan a day when it's not cloudy so you can actually see. It.
0: Yeah. Um, for me, I think the tip I'd give is just something we've learned from our travels and me being blind. It's don't be afraid to look. If if you have places you want to go, don't be afraid, especially internationally, go look, look at their websites and see if like they have special things they'll do for anyone with a disability and take advantage of those programs if they have them. Cause like, you know, like that touch tour we were talking about that we had at West tower of London. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, some things like that. It's just really cool to, you know, look, see what's available and take advantage of those kind of things if they're available.
4: My tip would be that no matter where you travel to, just plan on doing a lot of walk and take appropriate walking shoes. Because the only way to see something different is to like be on the ground and just walking around and take, make sure you just kind of leave a day for that. Because that's like my favorite part of
0: a trip always. Like when we were talking about with Westminster Abbey, we just happened to be right there and we're like, oh let's go do that. You know, it, it wasn't planned. We were just in that area and it was, I think that was when we were at Buckingham Palace and they had that parade thing going when we were there. You remember know, the big horses and all that stuff and we went and grabbed lunch and then you went and looked, oh, Westminster Abbey's like right here and you love old churches. So we're like, I love old okay, dead let's people. go do that. And, <laughs> and we just happened to get there when like they had a tour, a guided tour starting in 20 minutes. So, you know, Know, you kind of just have to learn sometimes to just roll with the punches
2: well i would agree though because when we were in dublin we were just walking around and we found a couple of their parks that were beautiful and so we spent a good couple hours just walking around these parks exploring the parks that are right downtown in dublin and it was one of our favorite things we did so yeah i agree but it's just walking around just seeing another
0: one i think of like when we were just exploring that neighborhood where that airbnb was where we were the first time and we we found this pub that was like the second oldest existing pub that had been open. They could trace it back to like, what, 1650, the Blind Horse Pub. And I'm sure it wasn't like the original building or anything, but it was, but it had been like continuously running since like the 1650s. It was Bleeding Horse Pub.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, I thought there was something about blood
0: it was, yeah, it was the Bleeding Horse Pub and it was just, we just sat, we just went in, you know, we were like walking around and we are just like, oh, well, well, let's pop into this place. And we had lunch and, you know, we get looking and it's like, oh, this is like the second oldest pub in Dublin and like this is really cool. You know, it was just like a something we just stumbled across that just happened to be a couple blocks from the Airbnb where we were in.
3: Those were all really good tips. Thanks for sharing those with us.
2: Thanks for being with us, guys. This was really fun. Everyone go check out Justin's work on Runway Girl Network, and you can follow them on Twitter at FatElvis04 as well. Yeah, it was good.
0: Yeah, thanks for having
3: us. Yeah, thanks, Justin and Jen, for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. This has been some great topics and got me thinking about places I want to go. Next week, we have our friend Katie from Australia on with us. It's going to be another great show. She's worked for a number of airlines out of Australia, but based in the States and all over the world, actually. And so she's non revved and been to some fun places and made, a, made a, been to a lot of cool places. So, so we'll see you next week.
2: This was really fun, guys. Thanks for coming on with us.
1: This has been Non Rev Lounge. Thanks for joining Tyler and Monique. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter by searching non Rev Lounge. Also, you can contact them at nonrevloungepodcast at gmail.com. They would love to hear from you. They're always looking for ideas to make their show better. If you are enjoying the show, please think about leaving a review or rating so other people can find this show. Thanks for joining us. See you next week and safe travels.